0: From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Anxiety Project podcast. Welcome to episode 263. And here we are with this holiday special today. And we're diving into money because. Well, I put this list together of really important strategies to implement now that it is holiday season because I've struggled with these. So putting together this podcast is really meaningful to me because these are what I value when the chaotic time of year does come around. So I'm talking about money, you know, budgeting yourself wisely because, there's this future anxiety down the road of your bills come January that I, sometimes it gets swept under the rug and then the anxiety later comes and we're like, oh my God, I just overspent. I, I spent a gift on her and I didn't need to. And then I spent five gifts on this person. I didn't need to. And well, we're gonna dive into that. And then we're diving into social anxiety. This is really massive. Even if you're not suffering, crazy anxiety. I put together these strategies so that when those gatherings do come about, your communication skills can improve when you implement these strategies. And it has worked for me and I still practice this today. And then I am going into disciplines, maintaining disciplines, like food and diet, even during the holidays, should you maintain that? And how can you approach these situations where you're around family and they're you know, pushing you or like guilting you into eating foods that you really don't want to eat and you don't wanna cross these personal boundaries because they mean something to you. So we're getting into all that today. I'm really excited, but I know you've noticed up here the hair, yes, I cut my hair. I you know, I wanted to change things up. Um, you know, it's freeing, getting rid of all that hair. But I wanted to revisit a haircut I particularly enjoyed back in my uh, older years, and I'm really happy about it. I'm really happy I cut it, and it's. Uh, I love maintaining a short hair, and um, I'm really excited. I think it's fun. So, yes, and also I do want to note to you that if you're going to well. When you watch next week's episode, I will have long hair in that one. That's because I'm, I really wanted to put this episode out as fast as possible because it is the start of that holiday season. And um, this episode's really important. And then next week is a, is a episode I recorded earlier and I will have long hair in that one. Just so you're not like, what is going on with Brad? <laughs> So yes, let's dive into budgeting and money and money is something that I'm taking more seriously as I'm getting older and I'm valuing money in a very healthy way now because in the past I had I had a very unhealthy relationship with money. I would overspend and not think about budget or my future self and the savings of my future self. And so it is very easy to fall into compulsive shopping. It's very easy. And well, that Black Friday sales, they know our vulnerabilities, right? Why are does Black Friday happen this time of year? Right. I know it's the end of the year and older electronics need to go to bring in the new, the next year's electronics and things like that. I understand. But also, you know, it doesn't help because oh, those Earbuds are looking kind of good. They're on sale, 30% off. The laptop, the computers, the gaming systems, the TVs, and your, your mind tends to persuade or, yeah, sway you into these items That you don't really need, but your mind tricks you into thinking, well, I could use a new TV. And so I believe in minimalism. I believe in watching money and this time of year, watching yourself like a hawk. Because everything around you, like I said in previous podcasts, the culture is working against you. Remember that. It wants you to not think about your bank account. It doesn't want that. It'll do what it can. Well, look, 30% off. Don't you need this new vacuum? It's the new model. It's Black Friday. I can't pass that up, right? Well, maybe you can. Let's talk about that. So there is this one element to gift giving that is really important to emphasize in today's episode, which is I really want to show my appreciation to the people around me. I'm going to feel really good when I give that gift because I know they really want that gift and I'm going to look pretty good. And also I'm going to feel pretty good because I gave something. Well, I gave something to someone who, well, would really value it. And, you know, I give gifts. I'm coming here to, and I'm saying to you, I do give gifts. I watch for what people would like and I give it. But then there's that other part of me that was a problem years ago when I would overspend and give like well, more than two gifts to somebody. And then I would be like, well, I could have just settled with that one really good gift and I could have saved a lot more money. But you get caught up in that dopaminergic rush of, well, I got this really great gift. Maybe... I can get this really great gift for someone else and I can give all these people these great gifts and then your mind is running wild and it's the dopaminergic system. It's the reward, chemicals, heightening in your brain because, well, you got something that you know someone would value and what's around the corner. It's like the slot machine mentality, right? I could get something better And then you see something and it reminds you you of someone and then you say to yourself, well, that's actually better than the previous gift. Maybe I should get that one for them too. And so, yeah, it can be a really hectic time of year when it comes to money. But remember, purchasing a great gift is problematic in the sense that not only does it lead you down A road where you want to supply great gifts to other people. There's this unre- this there's this relentless list of names that continuously generates within the mind during this time of year. Like what if, what if I get a gift for Susie or Max or Leonard or Ron? What about them? Oh no, I, f- I forgot about Jake. What am I gonna do? Right, and it just keeps piling up. And we can get lost in the gifts because you've already overspent already, but then you forgot about about all these other people from your office or relatives, and then you get caught in that rabbit hole. But where's the line? Where can we draw that line so you're not anxious come January when your bill is, is too much? We have to look towards the future. And if we put so much emphasis on materialism then wouldn't the value of say god or the music of christmas or the family gatherings or the decorations would that be would that not be so valuable if we're putting materialism so high up on the value's hierarchy. And you know, in the past, I, I valued gifts and I overspent and I valued the music and and the decorations and all the Christmas spirit and God and the family gatherings. Definitely, I value all of that. But I found that in the past it's been so exhausting for me when it comes to the the overstimulation of presents. And then the family And then the food and the sugar and the coffee and whatever, you know, and the alcohol. And then it really plays a big role on your mental health. And I've noticed that. And over the past couple years now, I've really improved on how I handle this really chaotic and stressful time of year but i believe in gratitude i believe that behind the materialism there is so much value in the family in the magic of the family gathering just being there for people and sharing food and i believe you know giving items is valuable i still do but I don't exceed and go crazy anymore. I really plan out my budget and I think about, well, how is January going to turn out now? And so before purchasing gifts, these are the strategies I want you to implement and ask yourself, and I hope that you write these down and re-listen to the podcast, I think that's important too. But is is this something they need? And you're in that store and you see that amazing gift and you're like, oh, Susie did want headphones. I already got her something. But there's these headphones here and man, she would love them. Ask yourself, is this something they need? Well, you could say, well, yeah, she does need them. But is it a need like of want? Or is it a need like, well, I, I need this in order to survive, right? There's a big difference there. But when I say need, yes, is this something that she needs, right? No, she doesn't need it. Is this within my budget, right? If you already got her a gift, just take that moment. Okay, I got her a gift. Don't need to do that. And will this come back to bite me in the future? Yeah, because I do have to get a gift for Jake and Paul and yeah, I can't really do, I can't really get get another gift for Susie right now. That's really important. So ask yourself these questions. And there's other ways to give as well. Cooking, baking, being there, and expressing your gratitude and appreciation for the ones that you care for at these gatherings. And, you know, giving people experiences, tickets. Maybe you can take them away on well, a night out, maybe a concert, maybe, uh, maybe a gallery, maybe water park, a spa. Maybe you can craft something for somebody acts of kindness, making a, a meal for somebody. Small gifts are really great too. Like cough, like their favorite coffee, right? Or, food or lotions or covering a podcast subscription for somebody, right? Or giving them a book or, or that spa day. That's valuable. People, you know, I would love something like that. It doesn't have to be grand. It doesn't have to be expensive. And that's the thing, though. We can get through the holidays without overspending. Doing things, acts of kindness is really important, And I made a mistake of not budgeting and I've overspent on previous Christmases. And so I find it useful to write out a reasonable budget or construct one in my head and stick to it. And I talked to Maggie about this too. It's like, how much are we willing to spend? Uh, Are we going to get a gift for each other, one gift? um, You know, how far are we, how far into the spending are we? going to go. And so look at your bank now and figure that out. And then we are then diving into social anxiety. And this is so important because so many people who are socially anxious they don't set themselves up for success. So Traditional habits of the socially anxious person is avoiding eye contact, slouching one word answers at those get togethers, you know, being quiet and not really progressing uh, conversation, avoidance behavior. One of them is hiding behind your partner and tapping them on the shoulder saying, when are we going to go? you know, leaving early, that's part of that too, but also avoidance could be walking into other rooms or spending too much time in the bathroom, and then, yeah, leaving early, I already said that, but their main interest is in themselves and their harsh self-judgments. Now, also their mind reading, and this is Big, because in their head, they are saying, people must think, I'm awkward. I am awkward. I do not feel well. My heart's pounding. What's going on? Oh, no. And note that walking into these particular situations, already with dread and anxiety... In the mind, you are already ruminating on images of how terrible this gathering is going to go. You're, well, you're going to step into failure. That's it. So let's talk about this. What can you do? What are the strategies? How does one prepare? Well, this is big. Morning visualization. Visualization on how you want the gathering to go, even if you're not socially anxious and you're like, yeah, I'm I'm pretty good and I'm excited. It's like, yeah, but you should always mentally prepare for these things because you could end up saying something you regret. You could end up doing something that you regret. You could make this situation so much better just by visualizing in your mind how you want the experience to go. What do you look like? How do you feel? Are you confident? Are you standing up straight? Are you laughing? Are you smiling? Are you making eye contact with people? Because you have to add certainty as much as you can to the uncertainty. The mind doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's imagined. So do this for at least five, 10 minutes. That's how quick it can be. It's perfect. You just visualize it. Go through it in your mind's eye. Imagine yourself and then your family together and how you want to be. Because just so you know, I suffered from very bad social anxiety in the past. Very bad. And so it took me a long time to work my way up and this is one of the big things is to do this exercise visualization and then exercise just for a little bit in the morning it could be 30 minutes just to get some of that tension and excitement remember you could be excited and that's how you should be you know I'm excited to challenge myself today and see family and I'm grateful for the I can't wait to share dinner. It's going to be fun. I can't can't wait to play with the kids. And so, yeah, it's exciting. And to mitigate that excitement because everyone's running around, especially maybe your wife's preparing this and the kitchen's messy and then you're trying to wrap some last minute gifts and then you're trying to run to the store to pick up a, a roast or, you know, that's what happens. But it's important to take that, sacred time, and implement that time within your morning. Even if you have to get up 10, 15 minutes earlier, maybe before your children wake up, that's really important. And then this is big. So why is it that the lack of eye contact is so common with social anxiety? Well, it's judgment. The eyes are judgment. The seeing of our insecurities and our faults. So it is the fear of judgment when it comes to social anxiety. And those inner self-defeating thoughts are what make you shy and anxious the self-defeating thoughts. And a strategy, now this is big, this worked and works for me. A strategy is to look into the eyes of other people. It sounds obvious, but no, listen, listen to this. And then harden your face. Act as if you were digesting what they are saying. Even if you have a hard time because you're anxious and it's hard to process words and sentences when you're already anxious, but act as if. So if you're watching this podcast, this is how I approach conversations. I don't approach conversations like wide-eyed and I'm like, you know, like this. I harden my face in this way. Like I, I squint a little bit And then I'm just looking into their eyes just like that, just like this. I'm just, I listen, I nod a little bit, but it's when you don't know how to present your persona, that's a problem. So this is how I developed my persona is by, well, I listen. Then keep your focus on the other person. And this tricks your brain into thinking that you are serious about this interaction and that you care and what the person has to say. And also chin up, chin up. Good posture increases serotonin. When you're hunched over, this fuels negative emotion. It fuels your anxiety. And it just sums up what kind of person you are acting as if changes the chemistry within the brain and then ask questions to the other person pertaining to what they said to continue the conversation. Because for me, when I was suffering from social anxiety, I was very internal. I wanted to get out of there all the time. I wanted, I said one word answers because I didn't want the conversation to progress. But then I developed the mindset of, well, how am I gonna get better if I don't practice my social skills, if I don't look at other people in the eyes, if I don't, if I don't progress the conversation, I started to set these bars for myself. And so I also repeat back what the other person said. And that's also a really good strategy, too, because when you do that, they'll actually progress their topic and expand on what they were already saying. So for example, they say something like, oh yeah, when Susie dropped this and it broke and I was really upset. And so then I would say, well, okay, so Susie dropped that and then you got upset. Well, then what happened? Something like that. it it shows that you were listening. And that the other person, hey, you know, Brad's listening to me. He's attentive. I got more to say. And for me, it is also important to avoid words that make me feel weak. This is something that I continuously work at. I'm always weighing my words before speaking them. Because I can't tell you how many situations I was in in the past where I said something I regretted and it would haunt me for weeks after. So watch your thoughts before speaking, take a beat or do not even say anything sometimes because I'm very agree, agreeable by temperament. I would say something just to progress the conversation, but without even thinking about it. But now until I have something worth saying, I'll, do the other strategies I was telling you about. I would lit, I would watch and listen. I would repeat back something that the other person was saying, and then I would ask questions. And then they would ask me questions because I'm interested in that person. And then they're and then they are curious about me later on, after they're done speaking. So it's this back and forth. It's a game. It's really important to master this game because communication is really important to master. Then, because I'm so introverted and because these gatherings are so exhausting, I have to unwind after. I have to meditate. I have to do some breathing. I have to take a hot bath. I need some time without any stimuli just to unwind myself because, well, especially people who are anxious or who are introverted, these gatherings are a lot. They take a lot of energy out of you. And then reward yourself for doing something difficult. Maybe this day was a challenge for you. How can you reward yourself? Well, I'm not saying go out and get an ice cream sundae. I'm saying, you know, have a hot bath and relax and unwind. Give back to yourself in very healthy ways. And then the last topic of today's podcast is maintaining discipline when at these gatherings right and specifically for me it's diet because when i first started this low-carb ketogenic way of eating yeah i was swayed into eating other foods because i was still building on my foundation of you know what's good for my health but i don't I don't cut corners with diet. Even when grandma, you know, makes her pie, I'll say no. And I believe, for me, that's the right answer. I believe in that. Because when you are half in and half out, that circuit that finds the half out pleasurable, eating that pie, it will be tempted and responsive and sensitive After the get-together, to other pleasures, there is always a consequence. Remember that. There is always a consequence. So, having that cheat, you can say, you know, having that sugary drink or alcohol or marijuana or that cake, you know, it makes things more challenging after trying to get back on your previous previous wagon previous discipline of not doing those things and you know you have to know yourself you have to know how you are because for me I know I'm an addict I know even I know because I've I have cut corners before I know how it is. I know how my body reacts to sugar. I know what happens when I do have that slice of cake. I know how it feels the next morning and it still lingers the week after. So for me, I say, well, it's not worth it. I have a boundary that I do not cross. I also believe that you betray a little part of your soul, a little part of your self-respect, a little part of your boundaries, the respect for your boundaries. Because, well, before your boundaries were non-existent. I mean, you were eating everything, cakes, pizzas, pies, pastas, anything that was put in front of you that you were just eating. But now you have boundaries. And there's a reason why you have boundaries now, right? So when, why is it okay to just cut a corner here and there? I just don't believe in that. That's my personal belief because it means a lot for me to actually go on this diet for a reason. And the, the effects of going on it are quite profound. And in the end, for me, it is not worth that piece of cake, even if grandma makes it. Well, if grandma truly loves you, she'll respect your boundaries. That's really when it comes down to. And at the get-togethers, People will sway you and guilt you into trying something. Happens to me all the time. But remember, there's a reason why you've stopped eating sugar, carbohydrates. There's a reason why you're sticking to this way of eating. And for me, when I see people cut corners, it breaks a little bit of my my. Well, heart even because I can see them breaking their own parts of themselves and it's disheartening and I lose a little bit of respect for them just a, you know it's a, it's a disappointment feeling and I don't want to feel that for myself if I cut a corner that's just me resistance to the sway of the social group is a true definition of your strong character And what's true to you. New circuits on top of the ones that say, oh, to hell with it, eat that cake, doesn't hurt. Those new circuits grow, overpowering the self-defeating ones. That's why I love cold showers. Because the mind goes, don't get in, take the easy route. But then you bypass that voice and then you get into the cold anyways. And then you're training your mind to say, well, I don't have to listen to you. And you're training this new voice to say, you know what, I'm getting after it no matter what's in my way. And that's where I'm going to leave you on this podcast episode. Thank you everyone for being here. Happy holidays. I'm coming out with another podcast, new podcast next week. But I wanted to bring this one out to you guys this week so that you can prepare mentally and physically for the holiday season. Rise above anxiety. I'll see you next time. Brad's powerful anxiety recovery program is now available at unplunganxiety.com The Anxiety Project program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery starts now.